Hi guys, welcome back to Infinite Possibilities, the podcast where we explore the lives of amazing people. Their choices, challenges and opportunities. And today I have a very special guest, Danielle. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Woohoo. So what is your kind of one minute introduction about what you do? Oh, one minute introduction. Well, I'm a blockchain educator and community builder. So I focus on helping people understand how they can use emerging technologies to create uh, new careers or disruptive business models. And then I just focus on how to build community through um, the power of networking. Yeah, that's awesome. So you really want to know how Danielle became so cool. So going back to your childhood, what kind of kid were you like growing up? Were you super extroverted, introverted, very social kid? <laughs> well, I think that's probably a question that's better for my mom. But because my mom's not here, I would like to say I've definitely always been um, extroverted. I grew up as an only child, but I always um, was very out there, you know, uh, very social. Um, I guess I hang around a lot of adults. Maybe that's why I grew up so quite yeah. quickly. Um, but yeah, definitely probably a question for my mom. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you were a bit of a tomboy growing up or nah? I think I was a little bit of both, you know. Wow. I, I, you know, I still even think today I'm the type of girl that you can take camping and I can rough yeah. it for a few days. But I love my luxury five-star hotel <laughs> <laughs> holidays as well. So a bit of both. I love it. Yeah, and what about, um, were you an academic kid? Were you sporty? You must have been popular, right? <laughs> uh, definitely not academic. Uh, I did play, like in my younger years, like if we're talking about when I was in school, I was into, um, what I call it, like track and field, and then basketball and cheerleading. Um, but I slightly kind of grew out of that in my older years. But I'd say more sporty than academic, for sure. Yeah, and that made you popular, yeah? Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> nice. And then tell me more about the context you grew up. You told me you uh, um, had a strong desire for financial security and freedom and wanted to live a different life to your family members. So can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so... Um, you know, growing up, uh, you know, we didn't have, although I grew up with a very loving family and my mom provided me a lot of love and support, we, we didn't really come from a very uh, strong kind of financial kind of background. My mom did the, the best that she could do and um, with the skills and, and the resources that she was given from when she was a child. But uh, I always kind of just desired to have this... Um, at, before, I, I used to call it financial freedom, and then now I, I realize it's more about financial security. And it's more about if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, how long could you you know pay, pay the bills? Like if you uh, could not work any longer, how much money do you have in the bank? And so then that's when there's financial security. Financial freedom is like where you can just go and do whatever you want, <laughs> when you want, and travel. And I think most people of course with desire to have financial freedom but really what we want deep down inside is financial security and to know that we can uh, not only provide for ourselves but also for our family and for and, and, and if you have children for your children so um, I think I always just kind of desired to to change that kind of financial position um, that my family kind of came from because I, I didn't grow into a family with money um, so I always had to work hard from a young age, yeah. Yeah, and do you know roughly like what age you were when you thought like, mm, I really want to be like financially secure when I grow up? Oh, I couldn't tell you, but probably from like, you know, young, early teens. Yeah. yeah. Wow, cool. And then can you also tell me a little bit about like the like other family members and what they were kind of doing at the time and how you sort of maybe wanted to live a different life to them? Um, you know, so my family is is very distant from each other and, uh, you know, didn't necessarily live a lifestyle that I desired. So I identified that at quite a young age. So I decided that, you know what, as much as I love them, I, I don't want to live this, you know, although I do party. Anybody that knows me has seen <laughs> me on the dance floor, but I didn't want that to be my lifestyle. I knew that I 
I wanted it to be more. Um, and I didn't want to go down this kind of path of a lot of my, um, you know, family members went down this path of kind of like drugs and alcohol. And I was like, you know, I don't want that to be me. And so um, I was, you know, very keen to kind of change that pattern of behavior within my family. Yeah. And do you have any like other role models in your life then at the time or like even now? Because um, when you looked around growing up, you didn't really have. You know, it's funny. People ask me that question and like (laughs) I just even the other day somebody asked me like, oh, what's one woman that, you know, you really kind of aspire to be or you like? (laughs) Myself. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's one of those questions. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But worth asking. (laughs) Yeah. And so when you were younger and you're thinking about the future, what kind of career did you envision for yourself slash maybe what did your parents want you to do? Uh, well, first of all, my mom has been always supportive, and that's what I've, one of the things I really loved growing up with her is she was never one of those moms that you must become a lawyer or a doctor, <laughs> you must do whatever. She was very um, open, supportive. She never pressed her belief systems onto me, um, whether that be religion or career or whatnot. So always valued that. Um, but if if I look back, I definitely was not desiring to be a blockchain educator, that's for sure. Um, but what, as a child, if I, I really wanted to be a dancer, to Ooh. be honest, I would have, I would have gone down that path. Just when I was actually like in my young, when I say my younger years, I mean like you know my early twenties. I did um, you know like go go dancing, which is like more like for like festivals and DJs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I would have loved to have gone down you know music videos, like you know dancing on stages with like artists or something. Wow. So um, yeah, if I think about it, when I was growing up, because I love music and I still love music and I still love dancing. It's one of my favorite kind of little passion, kind of like hobbies. Um, but yeah, definitely wouldn't have been in tech, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so did you make any effort to sort of go down this pathway a little bit? Make that dream come true? <laughs> Nothing more than going to music festivals and dancing at, you know, as a go-go dancer. Um, later on, I became a Zumba instructor because yeah. that's because I love dancing and I kind of went down this avenue and I think you're probably going to ask me a question about that later yeah. so I might save it. Uh, but I went down this avenue of becoming like a fitness instructor and then Zumba. So um, we sort might of satisfied. Sa- yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, there was a little bit of alignment there for sure. Yeah, cool. And for the audience who don't know what go-go dancing is, do you mind giving a quick explain? Go-go dancing is essentially just if you go to, they don't really have it here in Australia, but, you know, very popular kind of back home at music festivals where they just have really cute girls dressed in really (laughs) cute outfits, dancing to the music. It just adds a bit of ambiance. So I'd be up there in my little cute outfits, dancing away. And one of the things I loved about it was... um, I didn't have to share the dance work with anyone. I just had my space to do me. And that's one of the things I hate about going to music festivals now is there's so many people and you have to share the dance floor with them. So I think I loved, one, being up there and just being in my cute little outfit and then also just having the space and to express myself through music. It was, yeah, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. And wondering, did you try any of the other sort of like, I guess, more traditional forms of dance, like ballet, jazz, hip hop, that kind of thing? Did you like No, (laughs) you know, I would have loved to, but that was one of those things, you know, dance classes are expensive. Yeah, they are. The outfits, the shoes. um, The outfits, the shoes, the classes. And and I'm sure um, if it was, if those resources were available for for my mom at that time, she would have, but, you know, those are extra kind of activities, you know, not, yeah. uh, not all children are blessed <laughs> to go to dance school. Yeah. yeah. Go, go dancing it is. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you, just, you make with what you can get. Yeah. That sounds good. Cool. And then tell me more about your education. Was it high school, uni, TAFE or, and did you enjoy school? Um, so good question. Um, didn't enjoy school and <laughs> I actually dropped out of high school. It was my... Probably my last year of high school, and I um I was you know going to all these music festivals and go go dancing. (laughs) Um, I had recently moved out of home, so I was also working, 
and something had to give. So I, I decided that it was school that had to give. <laughs> um, you know, at that time, at you know, 16 years old, that sounded like a sound decision. Um, now, uh, fast forward, you know, I never thought I would be at the age that I'm at now and um, be in the position where I am. And I'm actually doing my Bachelor's of Information System. Whoa! Um, so then, no. I'll never forget, um, and this is not advice. I always say to, this is not financial advice, but this is actually Disclaimer not educational advice. But I'll never forget, I was at this party. I was 16 years old, and this person asked me, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And I was very unclear. And they gave me this advice. They're like, well, before you go and invest all this money by getting yourself into debt, because that's what a lot of the times do. Our parents want us to be something, right? Doctors, lawyers, whatever, because they want us to have the best life and the best career. And there's nothing wrong with our parents wanting the best for us. But a lot of the times they want us to go and then put ourselves into debt. So unless your parents are willing to pay for that. Uh, but a lot of the times too, you know, it's a society that uh, tells us that what we're supposed to go to is go to school, get a good education and get a good job. However, there's lots of stats out there that you go to school and don't get a job when you come out. You know, people go to school to be lawyers and then they end up bartending or whatever because the numbers aren't there. Anyways, I digress. Yeah, fair enough. He, this person said to me, they're like, my recommendation is that you go and travel. <laughs> go and find yourself. Go and find who you are, what you want, what you like. Because, like, okay, other than the whole dance thing, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted. So I did that, and I went traveling, and then that's where I met my, my ex. I was overseas, and then I did this big stint of, like, living overseas wow. uh, in Greece and in Canada and working in hospitality. Um, and I did that for a while and it was a really fun lifestyle and then I was like okay now what and so I always I have this saying I'm like my 20s were my fun years my 30s are actually <laughs> where I've now completed uh, two diplomas two advanced diplomas and now oh I'm gosh. doing my um, yeah. bachelor's of information system so to get educated. my 30s was just full of education uh, both academic and non-academic I think that's why my brain hurts so much. Um, and then I think my 40s are going to be the best years of my life. Wow, sounds good. Mm. Also, I do want to backtrack because um, I guess like not finishing high school is a really big turning point. So at that time, was that a very easy decision? Like, oh, something has to give. Yeah, it must be school. Don't like don't like that much anyways. Yeah, easy. Didn't, easy. didn't even think about it twice. Yeah. And what about um, parents' approval? Did you have to go and like, hey, mom, what are your thoughts on me, mm, you know, leaving school? Well, at that time, I wasn't living with mum, so I that just did what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she wouldn't have agreed with it. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, you know, you just, unfortunately, parents can be there for us the best that they can be, and they can try to support us. And also, anybody that's listening to this that has teenagers... Most of the time, teenagers don't listen anyway. So, uh, Save you know. Save energy and don't bother. <laughs> no, kidding. Well, of course, the parents still bother, but um, it was probably a battle she wasn't going to win anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I love yeah. it. Very adamant as a kid, eh? Mm, yes, definitely. Yeah. And then, so tell me about traveling. So you were 17 when you're like, yeah, let's just, let's just go. So my first overseas trip when I went to Thailand, I was 17, so I started that. And then I came back to Canada and I was working and I was like, you know what, I really... And then when I was 18, I went over to Spain um, for a holiday. Then I came back and then um, I was like, you know what, I just can't be here. I think it was a year and a half straight just working and... Were you working just, in hospitality? Yeah, working in hospitality. Um, the first two times I went traveling, I was just on holiday. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what, I'm here and I'm just living this lifestyle of work, sleep, party, repeat, work, sleep, party, repeat. <laughs> 
And I just knew that I wanted uh, more for, you know, it was the same thing when I kind of identified that I wanted more than what my, you know, the, the lifestyle pathways that some of my, you know, external family had gone down. I was like, well, I want more than that. And so I was in this environment where I had all these fun friends that were great at partying, but like it was nothing more than that. And I was like, okay, well, I want to go and experience. So then that's when I went back overseas to Greece and then, I met my ex and the, the rest was history but um, yeah it was just a, a, it was just more about experiencing more of life rather than okay now people will refer to it as the nine to five yeah uh, but back then there was no nine to five I didn't even know what nine to five meant but it was just like okay working if I'm not working I'm sleeping and if I'm not working or sleeping I'm partying well I want more so then when you start putting traveling into that at least you're getting this life experience, you're getting different cultures, you're meeting different people. Mm, that's interesting. And how long did that lifestyle of like work, sleep, party, um, like continue for? So was it like for like three years and then you got sick of it and you're like, hey, I want something more or? Oh, I don't, I don't even know if it's ended yet. To be <laughs> um, but I'd say, you know, just that that lifestyle uh yeah until I was into my early 20s and then I moved overseas but even though I was traveling it was still eat sleep party travel eat sleep party travel so like so I just added another element. element to it yeah yeah and then when did you like go into like overseeing bars and restaurants that kind of thing oh that's always been from the beginning started working hospitality when I was like 16 years old um my my ex um owned bars well when I met him in Greece he owned a bar there and then he came to Canada and to Whistler and then bought some bars and I've always worked in bars it's 20 years of hospitality wow. yeah yeah and so tell me about that unhealthy lifestyle that comes with hospitality that we might not be aware of because we're like oh isn't that the dream <laughs> well I think um you know in general I think people are starting to realize now you know, all the yummy foods and the quick <laughs> stuff and the fast food and all that, you know, I think people understand what an unhealthy lifestyle is. But when you own bars and restaurants and uh, alcohol is unlimited and food's unlimited and you don't have to pay for it and, um, yeah, it just turns into this, you know, kind of eat, sleep, party, repeat, yeah. you know, kind of lifestyle. At least so. it's kind of value yeah well it just um you know it's great at the time you think it's fantastic yeah, you're like oh great. <laughs> yeah it's great this is amazing uh, i want to eat something i want to drink something yeah. this is cool uh but then after a while you start to realize okay well this actually this lifestyle is not really it's you know and this is what i really proud myself on now is living a lifestyle balance I mean, don't get me wrong i still love my food still love my wine, I still love my cheese, but it's all about balance now. Yeah. Rather than before, it was just all about the, the, the unhealthy activities. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, and what are your sort of general thoughts on like traveling? Like, you know, when you left out at such a young age, like, did that kind of change who you were? Did you go through the know thyself, self-discovery, that kind of thing? Any quick insights? <laughs> I think traveling just opens up you to see culture. And I, I feel uh, with the COVID pandemic and being a student, I actually haven't traveled overseas for a while, for the last few years. And um, I desire because I feel like it's a bit of a reality check when you leave your comfort bubble, like, you know, here in Australia, we have it pretty, pretty cushiony, you know, and um, you go sometimes traveling and you just kind of realize that, like, not everyone can drink water from a tap or, yeah. um, you know, or the, you know, don't leave, you go to the beach somewhere, you know, in South America, you don't, you, you just don't leave your handbag on the beach while you go for a swim in the ocean, you yeah. know. So little things like that, I think it just, it makes you kind of really appreciate, especially when you grow up in a place like Canada or Australia. Traveling just really uh, humbles you, I think, is a yeah. good way. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, and then tell me about heartbreak and we want to know your quick sense on <laughs> on those out there who are going through breakups, heartbreak, any relationship advice from Danielle? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm probably the best person to give relationship <laughs> advice, but uh, as cheesy as it is, you need to, you know, just be... Uh, happy and content on your own it it re there's no one piece of advice that fits everyone because it all comes down to ultimately our previous experiences our our childhood our relation uh, whether it's um, you know a son whether that's a relationship with his mother or his father or whether it's a daughter in the mind like there's so many variables that 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 uh, play into how we react in uh, all relationships, let alone uh, romantic relationships. But I guess my, if I had to give a piece of advice is self-development and growth, learning about you on a deeper level. There's things like love languages, attachment yeah. theories, you know, getting to know you on a deeper level and understanding that um, and it's one of those things that I've been working on over the last few years and then kind of identify it. I actually had a conversation with my friend about it today and I was <laughs> like, I don't know why I do this. And like, actually, wait, I do know why I do it, but how do I? So, you know, they say with anything in life, it's like, okay, well, okay, now you're aware that this is the reason why you behave this way. Okay, well, if you don't like that you do that, right, then how yeah. do you change it? So, um, in terms of heartbreak, I think it's just learn yourself. And generally, if it doesn't work out, it's it's usually not meant to be. And every relationship that I have been in, um, there's always a massive learning, such a big, big, big learning that I take. And whether it's small, like whether it was like my. 10-year relationship that I had with my ex-fiance or the guy I just like casually yeah. hung out with <laughs> for the last month I had such big big learnings I probably have bigger learnings in this last casual month than I did in my 10-year relationship because oh. I wasn't aware uh. I was not aware I hadn't done any of the growth I hadn't done any of the yeah. self-development so in this in this last um, you know, experience that I encountered, I was like, why did I act that way? Yeah, okay, a lot, of reflection. a lot of reflection. And so my biggest piece of advice is to just, if you haven't done any self-growth or self-development, tap in. There's so many tools and resources out there. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent that's not just with romantic relationships because I also see some of my... Um, my personality traits play out the exact same yeah. um, when I have uncertainty my anxiety reaches goes up now this is in a romantic in a business in a friendship yeah. all of those relationships and so that's what I love about the love languages the love languages um, if anybody doesn't know about the five love languages <laughs> go research it but you can, I feel like you know about yeah. it. You can take those. So mine's words of affirmations. Yeah. So I need my boss to tell me I'm doing a good job. Yay. I need my boyfriend <laughs> to say, um, yeah, you look good. Or, or the guy yeah. that I'm dating, like, yeah, I'm really keen to hang out. Like, yeah. um, now I'm not going to go too deep down into why I have those love languages because that's like probably a whole nother podcast series. Yeah. But those can Stay be taken. <laughs> <laughs> you, those can be taken into any relationship yeah. that you have, really. Yeah, ultimately. that's interesting. Yeah, it's just a common thread. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. And um, straight after heartbreak, you know, did you go straight into partying to drown out the sorrows, or did you have a sort of like? routine to sort of kind of pick yourself up I know you went and came to Australia it's funny um that you actually asked that question because I remember when I broke up with my <laughs> ex-fiance and uh, I definitely had a habit of having a good time uh, <laughs> but I actually turned to fitness um, and I got into this was like almost 10 years ago now and I turned into fitness, and I got in the best shape of my life. Wow. I felt good, and that's Should when I became... <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, I went down to Zumba. And I actually find uh, it's a, a pretty common um, pattern. 
I find that when I'm going through the, the, the breakup, I'm definitely an emotional eater and I love my wine. So like <laughs> wine and cheese are like my comfort foods while I'm going through it. But then when I'm finished it, it's like this empowering, I'm gonna get this like, take all of that energy and those learnings and put it into myself and, and, and take myself to that next level of being the best version of myself. And I know that sounds so cheesy, so cheesy. but like, I know it sounds so cheesy, but I really do I feel that every time I go through something and there's this really cheesy saying, um, that my life coach said to me, this was probably like 15 years ago, her name was Tracy, and she said, when you're in this situation and you're like, oh, this is, this is a shit situation and I don't know why this is happening to me or I don't like it or whatever it is, but I know there's some sort of benefit to me. So I, I'll usually allow myself to go through those emotions and I'm yeah. like, oh, whether it be, you know, I've had a falling out with a friend or I've had a falling out with a boss or I've left a job or I've a guy's pissed me off or <laughs> broken my heart or whatever it is I I genuinely you know I do turn to food and wine and I'm like you know what this is your comfort that's fine just live in this moment but know that when you get out of it um, there's going to be some major benefits to you and I usually find that when I have those aha moments um, it just helps me become better and the next version of myself. Wow, so good. I reckon you can not only educate people on blockchain, but relationships and heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then tell me, why did you go to Australia specifically for a new start? And was that kind of immediately like change location, new start? Um, well, actually, when I was 20, I had a friend, her name was Teresa, and we were deciding uh, we were going to go traveling. Like I said to you, I was like, I've got to get out of here. I need to go somewhere. And we bought the Lonely Planets. I don't even know if those books still exist. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, we bought the Lonely Planet Australia, and we're going to travel. And then she pulled the pin on me, and I was like, well, I'm not going to go to Australia. I was just like all the way across the world on my own. So I messaged some people that I knew in Greece and I, that they always said they were Greek Canadians and they said, oh, if you ever come back, you know, we'll give you a job. So I messaged them. I said, hey, do you remember meeting me three years ago? Will you give me a job? <laughs> Anyways, they said yes. So I went back to Greece instead, found, you know, that whole story. They gave me a job, met my ex. The next yeah. 10 years of my life we've already talked about. Then when I split with my ex, I was in the like getting in like the best shape of my life and I was just started teaching Zumba yeah. um because we were also engaged to get married so I was like getting in the best shape for my wedding yeah. and then we broke up and I was like well there's a Zumba conference in in LA and I was like on this mission to do things that I'd never done before and I'd never gone traveling on my own I had traveled heaps but never on my own always with a friend or a partner it's like that security blanket so I booked this trip to LA and I went and I went to Venice Beach on my own and I met this girl, her name's Kathleen and um, I was staying in this hostel and I felt uh, then at that age, I was 30 and I felt too old to be in this hostel and they're all young and they're all going out <laughs> and she's like, hey, you going to come to this comedy night? And I'm like, nah, nah, like, you know, I'm too old. I'm like, just, I want to like get up in the morning and like, you know, I was really into my fitness back yeah. then, you know, doing Zumba. <laughs> She's like, oh, come on, it will be fun. And then and then I got talking to her and she was from Australia. And I was like, oh, I'd really love to go to Australia, but I'm too old now because <laughs> uh, for anyone that is watching this, you, you, to get a working holiday visa, I don't know, it might have changed now. Oh, yeah. But you have the, the cutoff, which I thought at that time was 30. And she goes, no, 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 you can still apply. You just have to enter before you're 31. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started chatting with her. And then she convinced me to go out that night. And then I met this guy and he was Australian. So it just felt like there was all these signs. And then, um, so, um, you know, hung out with Matt a little bit. And, and then I went back to Canada. And um, at that time, anybody that knows Whistler is full of Australians. But at the time I had this girl living with me and her two cousins had come over. And I was like, guys, should I go to Australia? And <laughs> the guy that I had met in, um, 
and LA was from Brisbane and I was like not that nothing ever eventuated but you know you're kind of like oh maybe I should move to Brisbane maybe yeah. there's gonna be something and then so uh, th these people were from like one was from the Gold Coast and one was from the Sunshine Coast so they explained the whole Byron Bay, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Sunshine <laughs> Coast um, and so I felt like I already knew anyway so by the end of the night I was like you know what I'm just gonna apply for the visa I jumped online actually one step back down jumped online and the price for the visa was $420. So for anybody that doesn't know, 420 is a very popular number in Canada, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, most, most people that are listening to this will know why. And I'm like, that's a special number. I'm gonna apply for the visa. Aww. So I applied for the visa. It was like maybe like nine, 10 o'clock at night. We're all hanging around. I'm like, I'm gonna do it. And I woke up in the morning with a visa. <gasps> Like 8 a.m., I wake up, you have been accepted. So I, I had to ring okay. my ex at the time because we shared custody of the dog and he was still going back to Greece. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to move to Australia. Like, are you okay to take full-time custody of the dog? Um, because if he went into seas, he had to put him, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And I rang my mom and she's like, what? Are you moving to Australia? I rang a couple of my other friends and some of them were all like, you running away from your problems? I'm like, yeah. I don't have problems. I'm just, you know, I'm just have a pivoting moment. You know, I've just ended a 10 year relationship. What am I doing? And, um, and then my friend, my best friend, Jamie, she said she, she took me to the airport and I, it was just a one year working holiday visa. And she goes, you know, you're never coming back. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm just going just one year. Just one year, I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna find myself. <laughs> Eight years later, it'll actually be nine years in May. Wow, she was right. <laughs> she better come visit. <laughs> yeah, she still hasn't come to visit. Jamie, when are you coming to visit? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, and then tell me more about um, starting afresh in Australia. So you were still trying to do the fitness thing, but because of visa, you had to go back to the hospitality, good stuff. Well, when you come over here on a working holiday visa, and I was so determined, I was like, I'm not gonna work in hospitality anymore, I'm gonna be in the fitness industry. Nobody wants to give you a job on a working holiday visa, because you're not an investment. So, unfortunately, I had to cave. Um, very easy for me to get a good paying job in hospitality, because although Australia has improved immensely since I've moved here, your guys' hospitality was pretty uh, <laughs> work. below average when I moved here. <laughs> so yeah, it was really easy for me to, to get a job in that space. So I did that and then I just taught Zumba on the side. Um, but then when my working holiday visa ended, I couldn't teach Zumba anymore because I had to go into a sponsorship visa. Um, and when you're on a sponsorship visa, you can't work for anyone else other than your sponsored employer. So yeah. I had to give up my um, dream of teaching uh, fitness, but then that's when I went and did my cert for and personal training and started my online fitness business because I was like, hopefully no one's watching this from the government, uh, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to start an online business and then I ran that through Canada. So while I was working, I had a health and wellness online business and I did my personal training at the same time. Wow, that's cool. And then tell me about the kind of when did blockchain kind of appear in your life? How did you hear about it? Kind of blockchain keeps nagging you and eventually you... Well, it was actually it the um, person that I was doing the online network marketing business with that introduced me into Bitcoin. And um, the online network marketing business was like, it was doing okay. Like it was... It was making money, but it wasn't enough where I could like quit my job. It was nice little kind of supplementary income or enough. I learned so much. I knew, I knew nothing about an online business. I knew nothing about SEO. I knew nothing. So it was more of a really good learning experience yeah. that was paying for itself. And then I was like, okay, well, if I can have five of these, um, then I could quit my job and I could live off of this. And so I just started my second one. And then Brad introduced me to, to Bitcoin. And then I <laughs> went, I was like, nope. And I was like, you know what, this is it. I'm not gonna miss this train. I watched a documentary called Banking on Bitcoin. And I just knew there was something, even though I didn't understand a word of the tech, it was just something inside me that just knew. It was more than cryptocurrency. It was more about the technology and that it was gonna change the industry. And I didn't wanna miss out. 
So I rang up Brad and I said, I'm out. And I sold him both of my online businesses and I I didn't look back. I just, uh, also at that time, I didn't know what a bull run or a bull market was. (laughs) And I quickly learned, I made that decision in the middle of a bull run. And then when the bear market kicked in, I was like, hmm, okay. Uh, So I sat on the sidelines and just, you know, was working and studying um, at that time uh, because I'd left, missed that part, I'd left my sponsorship job, my 457 visa, if anyone knows about a 457, I was grandfathered in and I left that. And why did I leave that? Because I made a vow to myself that I wanted to live a life that I was happy in. I didn't want to work anymore for someone because a lot of the times on sponsorship visas here, not all, but a lot of the times they just, that you're overworked, you're underpaid, they make you do 60 hours a week, they underpay you, you're owned by them. And I was like, you know what? I'd rather just go on a student visa and study yeah. and <laughs> then live that. So at that time I was on a student visa and um, yeah, and then so I just kind of sat on the sidelines until, um, yeah, I met Nathan Burns from Book Train Collective, and then the rest was history. Wow, was it easy to ask Nathan, hey, employ me? Because up, up until then, you didn't really have much experience. In terms I had of zero experience. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was your greatest pitch to Nathan? How did it go? <laughs> um, actually, it was a friend of mine, Curtis, that um, I had met through of a friend of a friend. And then I said I um, had a chat with him. And so my friend, Craig, introduced me. He was like, oh, you're into crypto. You need to meet Curtis. He brings me along and I meet oh, Curtis. And then I'm sat there having a chat with Curtis. And Curtis goes, you know, you actually know a lot more than you actually think you do. Yeah. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, I was all <laughs> chaffed with myself. Yeah. And um, he goes, yeah, especially being a woman and being like this early, because this was back in... March 2020? Uh, no, this was even before then. This was in like early 2019. Wow. So I was pretty chuffed. I was like, oh, maybe yeah. I know more like the whole imposter syndrome. I was yeah. like, oh, maybe I know more than I do. And a lot of people were saying, you know, there's a huge opportunity for people like yourself to just help educate the, 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 the new people into the space. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And then I went to uh, the Bitcoin City Cash Conference up in Townsville. And I found myself in a room full of 2,000 developers and like five women and 200 men. And I was just like, so I don't know how many I say, 5,000? I meant 200. 200 developers, which were like basically, and there was like five women in the room and then me. So I was, not only was I not a developer, um, but I was a minority. And I felt comfortable and I was like, you know what? I can do this. I can go to these types of events. I can take all this information and then how can I help uh, the be like the average mom and pops, if you want to kind of say yeah. in that kind of terminology, learn about this technology. So that was in September 2019, and then I went to the blockchain roadshow, and that's when I met Nathan. When my friend Curtis introduced me, he goes, "Oh, I know these guys. I'll introduce you to him." And then um, I just said to them, "I was like, oh, I want to work in the industry. I don't know how or what or what I'm going to do." And then yeah. they just said, "Oh." Well, we've just started our education company, which are the, the blockchain collective are the curators of the diplomas and the advanced diplomas of applied blockchain. Oh. And I was like, okay, great. So they just gave me an opportunity. I actually drove down from Brisbane, down to the Gold Coast. And they, they weren't paying me at the time. It was just, <laughs> I was just eager beaver. And I remember my girlfriend at the time used to say to me, she goes, they're not paying you. And you drive to the Gold Coast. <laughs> and it was a sales job at the time, which was just basically trying to help people like learn about the course and sell the course. And I said, because I just want to learn. I just want to be in the space. I want to learn like how, like, you know, I don't have any experience. Why is someone going to pay me? I don't have any experience. Aww. So I did that. And then fast forward a couple months later, I remember sitting there um, to, to Nathan and Austin, who's one of the other co-founders. And I said, I wish this course was available for international students. I would way rather study this. At that time, I had just enrolled in my second student visa and I was doing a three-year accounting visa. (laughs) Not because I like accounting, just because it was the cheapest, longest visa I could find. And I was like, but I'd love to study something that I actually am passionate about. And then they said, oh, it's funny that you should say that. The applications are in. (gasps) 
Um, it should get av available for Krikos. For anyone that knows what Krikos is, is basically this, you know, courses have to get approved for international students to study it. So I was the first international student to enroll in the courses yeah. and complete both the diploma and the advanced diploma of applied blockchain as an international student. Wow. And then, yeah, the rest is history from there. Awesome. And then tell me when you started your own website. She's, um, what is it called? She's blockchain savvy? She's tech savvy? She's blockchain savvy. So, in, so I started studying early 2020. And it was right around that same time where I identified that, okay, I'm new to the industry. I don't have a lot of experience. But... I'm going to study these courses and I'm going to be, get qualified and I'm going to become, you know, an expert. They say on average it takes five to seven years to become an expert, okay? So I'm only, yeah, <laughs> you know, not halfway there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, but what can I do? And what, what, that's building community and helping other beginners. Um, so I created She's Blockchain Savvy, which was a brand to inspire more women into entering the place. But it was also for, you know, it's not just purely for women, but it was kind of like, well, I'm blockchain savvy or the women can be blockchain savvy. So I launched that brand more as kind of just like a little kind of personal, uh, you know, hobby kind of little side business while I was studying. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And was it sort of like hard to put yourself out there? Because a lot of people, they're scared of, you know, creating their own website, having their own thing. There's always fail of, uh, fear of failure. I still have it, you know, and it's great. Like people are like, oh, your website looks great. Fantastic. It, it doesn't actually make any money, right? Like, this is the <laughs> thing, right? So like you can have a beautiful website um, and you can be really good at what you do. And I also say this to the developers all the time. I'm like, you can have the best code and you can be the best developer if you don't have all of the elements of the business model or like I always use the cake recipe. If you don't have all the ingredients to make a good cake, the cake might not rise, you know? It might yeah. turn into a brownie because, you know, you didn't have any yeah. yeast in there to yeah. actually bring up the cake. Sounds um, like you do a lot of baking. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I actually don't bake at all. But um, so... I didn't have the money or the resources or the experience to do the marketing and the advertising yeah. and the everything. So um, it just ended up kind of being a big, massive learning experience for me and a stepping stone. So I think that in life, um, you know, I always f f feared that I would fail. But then what I realized, they're actually just stepping stones. Like, oh, I created She's Blockchain Savvy. And then, yeah. you know, I was like, okay, but wait a minute. And there was this marketing company that was really trying to get me to go like hardcore on women, 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 women. And I was three months into it and I said to them, I was like, no, this is not what I want. I'm like, I'm a blockchain educator. Me empowering women is just one element of what I do. Yeah. But that's why I also founded All Things Blockchain. Yeah, and tell so, me more about that. <laughs> yeah, so in November 2020, um, there's a really long story to it, and I'm not going to babble on about that. Um, but there was a lot of uh, meetups and organizations that were being run with an intended purpose of selling or convincing people. Uh, we call them maxis, uh, whether they were Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or whatever, Cardano, it doesn't matter. They're like maxis, and they're just like, all they want to do is convince you that Bitcoin is the one and only or Cardano is mm -hmm. the one and only. And then you had people that were doing meetups that because they wanted to sell you into their workshop on how to become a crypto millionaire and like trade. Yeah. Um, there was also people that, um, you know, said that, that these meetups were for community, but really they were actually being run by an, an organization and they would take sponsorship dollars and then they would actually pocket that money. So I, I just noticed all of this happening and I was like, I want to create a meetup that is a nonprofit association that is run and organized by the community. So I rang up a couple of guys and I said, hey, I don't have the experience because this was in November 2020. I'd only been studying for about six months. I was like, <laughs> I can't run. I was like, what I can do is I can organize the events. I can and, you know build the community yeah. I can do that side but I need help with the education side I can do the beginner stuff but like obviously we want to accommodate to more of the intermediate to advance and so Stefan and Magnus they were yeah that like I must have been a good salesperson because they yeah. said yes <laughs> and 
and we, uh, All Things Blockchain was born. It was a nonprofit. We had uh, about nine uh, founding members. We all put in some money and we started this uh, association. And then, yeah, fast forward later, we're almost at 2,000 members. Hopefully, we're about 30 away from cracking 2,000 members. Um, and, you know, and one of the things, we've probably got about 10 sponsors is middle of the bear market. We've got 10 sponsors and we're growing our membership um, every single month. So something I'm really proud of. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Wow. Awesome. And then now also tell me about your current position at um, Sotera Web3 and how did that come about? So, so Terra Web3, so yeah, I'm the uh, head trainer and kind of do like the blockchain operations side at Solterra, um, which is a non, non-profit, no, it's a private, <laughs> I'm like, so you say no problem, uh, it's a private registered training organization. So a lot of people hear of like TAFE, right? Yeah. TAFE's a, an RTO, but it's government, it's government funded. So then there's private uh, registered training organizations. How did I end up there though was that there was such a shortage in demand in trainers. When I um, was doing my studies, I was sought after. I, was, I probably taught about four or five different uh, RTOs before I ended up at Solterra, including Tank Queensland. And um, I quickly identified the all of the pros and cons within the education system um not only am i an international student uh, i'm also actually a registered education agent and i have a business called australian pathways i haven't even told you about that one um i also worked for rtos as a trainer (laughs) i know all of like when I'm sure for anyone that's watching this when you're in an industry you just know all the vulnerabilities you know all the risks the limitations and you're just like okay well I identified that I'm so passionate about providing good quality education that is transparent and has integrity because my original education agent didn't have an integrity and didn't give me the best information. And I didn't end up enrolling into the best course for me. Why? Because they sold me into a course which was best for them. I didn't know any better. So I hold my head high when I'm helping students. That's not my main business, but I do help students over the years. Um, I find out what is the best interest for the student, not what's in the best interest for me. Then as a trainer, I got to work with some organizations that had really bad operations. Um, And then I also had some that didn't care about the students, so you're just a number. And the quality of education, the amount that they pay, the the amount of resources that they put in, it's, it's all about numbers and just pushing them through. So when so Tara rang, um, I was really attracted because they're a private RTO and they uh, promised and allowed me to develop and create this platform where we can deliver high quality premium product. And then we also are more focused on uh, more B2B. We, we have B2C students, um, but where we can customize and design those training programs for our clients. Um, so it's not cookie cutter. Yes. So uh, so we deliver accredited courses in the diplomas and advanced diploma of applied blockchain, which are all about how you're going to uh, apply emerging technologies to business models. So if you're looking to transition your career, how can you take the skill sets that you already have, whether that be in accounting, HR, marketing, whatnot? You need to understand the industry so that you can uh, look at it through that lens because all the startups that are in the Web3 space, they need all of the roles. But if you don't understand it, how can you even participate in conversations and dialogues? So it's not about becoming an expert in blockchain, but it's about understanding how blockchain is being applied to business so that you can look at it through those filters. Okay, If you're in HR, if you're in marketing, or if you're in legal or whatever, if you understand the technology, then you can look at it from your expertise and with that, that, that filter and that lens. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like a perfect fit with all your experience. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Sure. So we're nearly at the end of the podcast. Just a few more quick rapid fire questions. So mm. Danielle, what do you think the meaning of life is in your opinion? that's a really deep question the meaning of life I think is to just discover what makes you happy and and what can you give 
Because the more that you give, the more that you receive. And if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do differently about your life? Um, I would. Uh, if I won the lottery tomorrow, how much is this lottery? Um, maybe because there's a very, that's the the, the gift. Is it a hundred thousand? Is it ten thousand? Is it a hundred million? Let's go for a hundred million. A hundred million. First thing that I would do is uh, buy myself permanent residency. <laughs> so I could get rid of that, uh, which probably would be through buying my own education uh, center. Uh, I'd still do what I'm doing. I'd just do it differently. Um, and uh, that would be the first thing. And, and once I, because I love Australia and uh, I'm very determined uh, to, to stay living here. Um, so that would be the first thing. And then, yeah, after that, I'll just look at different ways that I can help. And, and, and you know, I have all these aspirations of, you know, starting a fitness center, Yay. a nonprofit fitness center, <laughs> which is for female and children with dance fitness because I love... Yes. I love Zumba, I love pole dancing, I love that, so I'd probably start one of those. Um, I've always had a vision of starting charities where we uh, help people in underprivileged countries um, to teach them, you know, that whole saying, you know, give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man to fish, he eats for the rest of his life. Yeah. So, you know, so I'd probably just start a whole bunch of philanthropy um, activities once I uh, had secured myself yeah. in my passion and my dream and, 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 and being uh, secure yeah. in what I want. Sounds awesome. And then the last question, it is, what is an ideal perfect day in the life for you? It can be work-related, non-work-related. What time do you wake up? What kind of activities do you fill it with? What's the ideal? Mm. Um, gosh, well, I think that there's, well... <laughs> there's two there's the ideal where you're like your your ideal work day or your ideal just like yeah let's know. go for work and then let's go for like um the your chill weekend day <laughs> uh well i think i'm pretty blessed um to kind of live my ideal work day already wow. um you know like today i got up i went to the gym and then I got home, I worked from home majority of the time. Actually, the last three days I was down in the office. But today my ideal is, you know, actually I do. I think I already live my ideal wow. work style life um, where I get that mixture of I get to go in the office and I get to, you know, hang out with some of the team. But I also get that privilege of being able to work from home um, and, and casually stop my, you know, I was marking assessments before you got here, <laughs> and then now I'm stopping. I'm having this podcast, and then when you leave, I'll go back to, to fulfilling. And um, not a lot of people have that opportunity when, uh, when they're in their work environment or have that kind of flexibility. So, I think that I'm pretty lucky in in that regard. And um, my, you know, kind of ideal life day would be. Very similar, just take out the work, you know, get up, start with some fitness, hanging out with some friends, some family, eating some really nice food and drinking some really nice wine, listening <laughs> to some live music, going, maybe doing some hiking or traveling. Um, yeah. Sounds perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank awesome you very much. Awesome hearing your story. So thank you very much for having yeah. me. Thank you. Want to say bye? Bye. bye.